Good evening, everyone. Friends, um, the first reading uh, speaks about the call and commissioning of one of the old prophet, uh, one of the Old Testament prophets, Jeremiah. And uh, uh, Jeremiah, when you study, he never wanted to uh, be a prophet. <laughs> he knew how the people would treat him <laughs> because of the past prophets. And he was overwhelmed by the burden of it. He stands out as a lonely figure whose mission seemed to have failed. He is the supreme example of this until Jesus of Nazareth. And when we see Jesus of Nazareth in what appears to be failure, we see God's greatest triumph. With Jeremiah, they threw him in the sewer, basically. <laughs> Thought that was the end of that. <laughs> but his friend came and got him out of there, huh? Yay to the friends, to best friends, to BFFs, huh? <laughs> in our second reading, St. Paul is addressing a problem that's in the Corinth community. And um, St. Paul has had enough of the community's foolishness. And uh, he speaks to them about uh, all these different gifts and charisms that they have that he holds so stresses that the supreme importance of love, not just any type of love, what we know as hased or agape. And uh, he said, without love, all these other charisms are, become useless then. And uh, my friends, uh, I've learned uh, in my 13 years as a priest, uh, because this reading, the second reading, is a very, very popular one amongst engaged couples when they're looking for their wedding. And uh, I used to say, do you know what the reading's about, though? Yes, Father, I love. And I said, but do you know the context of this reading? No. And then I would tell him, St. Paul's chastising the community because they're fighting with each other. And I would just sit there, and the couple would look at me. And so, this will be our reading? <laughs> so I've learned, just be quiet. <laughs> In this case, be quiet and let them, because it, it is a beautiful reading. Uh, our gospel is a continuation from last week's Sunday's gospel, and uh, we see the reaction that the homily of Jesus gets in the synagogue, and the people, um, at first they like him, and then they want to kill him. And um, they can't believe that the words of Isaiah, remember last week, the words of Isaiah, uh, Jesus was reading a scroll, and uh, they can't believe the words of Isaiah apply to Jesus, the son of some carpenter. And um, on hearing Jesus tell him all the benefits that God was going to give to you, he's going to give to the Gentiles. <laughs> and the people become enraged, and they want to do away with him. And this foreshadows, of course, the fate of Jesus ultimately in that moment, I think Luke was being a bit dramatic, and I don't think they wanted to kill him, but they certainly would want to stone him. Um, but um, ultimately, they would, they would get that, wouldn't they? Because Jesus would die on the cross for us. But yet, his hour has not come, and so uh, he passes through their midst to give more homilies. <laughs> so my friends, uh, I was... Uh, in the gospel, we see Jesus preaching. He's in the synagogue. He's just done reading this Isaiah, and now he's talking to them and preaching to them. And like the prophets of the Old Testament who also preached and gave homilies, Jesus had hoped that the people would take note of what he said. 
and act. And so today's homilist, uh, I feel the same way. I always hope that hearing the word of God and then a homily expounds upon the scriptures that um, you would take note and act. And uh, what impacts does preaching by your bishop, uh, your pastor, by a deacon, uh, have on you? Have you ever had a homily that impacted your life or had at least some influence over it? Friends, uh, I watch television a lot, and I was watching the TV evangelists, and the ones of late especially, um, I watch their preaching style, and uh, I see all the money they spend on uh, their stages. And uh, they have very well-tailored suits, and good for them. Not that I would want to spend $1,000 on one, but, uh, but certainly I would spend $1,000 on my vestments for Mass, so I can't be hypocrites and point my finger at them. Uh, but um, a particular, there's a couple I watch, and they have so many special effects. I was watching one, and the stage, I, I don't think they call it a stage, but, but they're, I don't know, they even refer to it as sanctuary, uh, was filled with all these things, even a jack-in-the-box. And I thought, where is he going with this thing? And uh, I cannot help but wonder um, if the homily has become a sort of entertainment for them now. And uh, at the end of the day, what does it all mean? What was all that for? And uh, um, preaching to God's people whom you are precious to God. So to stand in front of you and to preach to you is is a great responsibility, and it comes with burdens. And it should be treated with its proper respect and dignity. And uh, our first reading in the gospel, we heard we have two examples of preachers, Jeremiah and Jesus, whose preaching was rejected by the many people who listened to them. The prophet Jeremiah preached in Jerusalem at a time when a large foreign army was coming from Babylon and was going to travel through there, and they were planning on taking them over. And Jerusalem was directly in their sight. And Jeremiah's message, if you don't know, to the people was, lay down your weapons, make peace. <laughs> they knew the, Babylon, the Babylonians were coming. So Jeremiah says, make peace with them, uh, trust in God. But the leaders of Israel responded by charging Jeremiah with undermining the morale of the soldiers. And they had him thrown into the sewer, hoping he would die. But as I said, he was rescued by his best buddy, got him out of there. We see in the gospel, Jesus is clearly frustrated by his townspeople um, and their attitude towards him, towards his family. What was he saying to them? In my words, you think you are so exclusive. You think you are so special. And that God only loves you. And then he went on to say, but it was to the foreigners that God sent his prophets. So the people got really, really angry. And as Luke says, they wanted to kill him. Now, my friends, let us find the positive <laughs> in this. What is the positive? 
Well, we can say that the people who attacked Jeremiah and Jesus, at least they listened and they fully understood what the prophet was saying and what Jesus was saying. They responded to what they heard. Um, they did not like what they had heard. And so they responded in a very wicked way, however. Uh, but at least they paid attention to what the preacher was saying. And I want to take a moment. Jack, last week I gave a homily, and you came in the back, and he asked me about it. Father, what is, and he asked his question, who was? And that told me he was listening. He listened to me. So thank you, young disciple. My friends, they took notice of the huge difference between what was being preached to them by Jeremiah and Jesus and what they actually believed and how they were living their lives. They realized that they had to make a decision. They were either going to listen to the preacher and change their lives, or in the case of Jeremiah and Jesus, finish them off so that they wouldn't have to listen to them ever again. And as they were not ready to change their lives, we saw what the outcome was. They threw the prophet into the sewer, and they would try and kill Jesus. My friends, violence should always be rejected, but it seems to me that there was some type of brutal honesty going on with the people. Because as we are all aware, uh, there is another way they could have gone. They could have gone as what the book of our relations calls, what Jesus says is lukewarmness. They opted just to be hypocrites. They could have listened to the preacher and said, Thumbs up, preacher. That was a really good homily. And then they walk away. <laughs> and they do nothing. They don't change nothing. And business as usual, lying, cheating, drunkenness, violence, stealing, abusing, gossiping. Well, it has to be acknowledged that what they did to Jeremiah and Jesus was wicked. It must also be said that there was some honesty in their reaction. Gathered here today in Gig Harbor on this evening, we are a long way from the times of Jeremiah and Jesus when he walked the earth. Homilists and preachers don't usually get killed for what they say today unless you are in a third world country and you are speaking out on behalf of poor and the abused and the oppressed. Then words of preachers today it can be even entertaining and yet the lukewarmness comes the middle course of action comes into play but how many people really reflect on the difference between what is being preached to them and how they will live their lives after how many people decide to change because of what they heard in the scriptures and how the homilists put forth the understanding of the scriptures. That is indeed another question. Jeremiah and Jesus were both in the business of getting people to change. That's still primarily what the homilist is trying to do when he preaches to you. Two final observations. The basic change, when people see the gospel, hear it and read it and embrace it, the value of it is so that they would change 
in a way that we call conversion, metanoia. This happens when we begin to change aspects of our attitudes and our habits and uh, come to grips with the daily task of living the gospel every day, every day, in and out. The second change has to do with looking at the larger picture and seeing how our lives of holiness and the gospel values and Christ's ways impacts people and thus impacts societies and thus ultimately would impact the earth itself. Pope Francis is very concerned about that. So I might bring it up about nature and the earth. And As one reflects on today's gospel, then perhaps you could ask yourselves, are you really interested in changing your hearts and your lives to become intentional disciples, to really be disciples of Jesus Christ? Or have you chosen the lukewarm pattern? Give Father Mark a thumbs up and nothing changes. Perhaps honesty might dictate that you too would consider taking me to the harbor and throwing me into it. At least it would show that you heard my message. <laughs> and then you did something about it. Jack, don't even think about it. Of course, it is a very hurtful thing to be rejected by one's own people, as Jesus was. But I look to him. He may have been frustrated and even saddened, but he never hated he did not become embittered. He did not become distracted. Nor did he feel defeated. He did what he could for those who believed in him at Nazareth. And then he took his preaching elsewhere. School's week for the Archdiocese of Seattle, so we pray for all of our administrators, our disciples, and young people who will take over the world so that we can retire in, pre in peace, right? <laughs> we can sleep at night the way the world cannot sleep right now uh, because they have such anxiety and nightmares. And, uh, and so we, we, uh, we celebrate Catholic schools and education and the forming of our young ones, mind, body, and spirit. Today, um, I pray especially for the young disciples who gathered uh, in our parish, 24 of them, and we, we're on retreat and revive, and we pray for the ministry of Taylor, Taylor Schroll, who uh, was the retreat master, and uh, we pray for his continued uh, graces and ministry of Jesus Christ to people everywhere. And uh, friends, I hope you take to heart um, the scriptures, absolutely, uh, but the work that is done to expound on those that you know as homilies or sermons, and uh, um, take it to heart. Lorenz, if you, Jesus also gave another very famous homily that wasn't too well received either. But if you want to know, um, usually a homilist, what's dearest to his heart is what you hear in his homily. Um, if you want to know what that is, go and see the Sermon of the Mount or the Beatitudes. Um, this will tell you what is close to Christ's heart. And it also tells what should be ours and how we should walk in this world. Huh? My friends, I, as your pastor, I thank you. You know I love you. 
and uh, more importantly, God does. Uh, but I thank you always for your patience with me as the homilist for you, because it's just me <laughs> that you have to hear all the time now. And uh, they're very lengthy at times. And I thank you for being patient as I use humor uh, as a tool to help you to remember and to also to get you to laugh a little bit in this time. Amen?